Welcome back to the EYC Q&A podcast. My name is Luke Klinkstead. I'll be your host today. And this is the second episode of our Q&A podcast. We started the podcast last week by talking about um, the idea of God knowing best, especially in the face of suffering and death. And we'll kind of continue that with this week's question. But before we dive in, I just want to give a little plug um, what's been happening this week. If you are listening to this and you are part of our EYC group and you missed our crepe making night, um, I'm recording this on Thursday, it'll get published on Friday, but this week on Wednesday night, we gathered to make Candlemas crepes and took the took the opportunity to um, a, have some fun, and B, you know, learn some about Candlemas and Christ being the Lamb of God, Jesus being presented in the temple, and all the imagery, the rich, rich imagery in that. So if you, if you are not tuned in to the happenings of our, of our youth program, and you would like to be, or you have kids who would like to be, um, reach out to me. Uh, my email is on St. Timothy's website. Um, get on our email list. We would love to have you join us. Without further ado, though, we will get started with week two. This week's question comes to us, um, like I said, from an anonymous submitter, but it's a great question. And it says, why do good things happen to bad people? Now, I like the way this was phrased because a lot of times if you've heard a question like this, you've probably heard the inverse of it. Um, oftentimes it is phrased as why do bad things happen to good people? But flipping it around and asking it like this, why do good things happen to bad people? I think actually allows us to answer both these questions better. Um, it kind of you know refocuses our attention into what, what are we really asking with this question? And I think what's at the root of it, um, regardless of you know which way you ask it, is a question of what we deserve. What are we owed as humans? What are we owed as Christians, um, as humans on this earth? You know, what do we feel like we deserve? Now, to get started, I want to briefly um, talk about a 1998 uh, film about World War II. And it's, it's a bit unusual. Um, if you've ever seen a war movie, you've probably noticed several themes that are in almost every war movie you've ever seen. Um, any movie about war, usually, will spend a good deal of time talking about you know, the friendship and the love that the soldiers have for one another, the sacrifice that they're making, the fraternity involved in it. They usually give you, you know, a lot of backstory to kind of make you cheer for the protagonist. Um, the whole goal is to get you to kind of understand why they're doing what they're doing. But this this film from 1998 is a little bit different. Um, it was, you know, made to kind of poke back at these traditional war movies. It doesn't have, you know, these themes of strong fraternity and self-sacrifice. It's kind of hard to follow and confusing at times. And it's really trying to show, you know, just the, the brutal suffering of war, the bleakness of it all, how often it does not make any sense and just seems to be a cause of suffering for suffering's sake. And so the movie asks a lot of important questions, especially about how we think of ourselves. Towards the end of the movie, 
um, a U.S. soldier is kind of walking through a battlefield after a battle, and he sees a Japanese soldier who has just died lying on the ground. And he begins to contemplate the similarities between the two. And as he's doing that, the Japanese soldier's voice kind of speaks in the form of a voiceover with a really interesting line. Are you righteous? Kind? Does your confidence lie in this? Are you loved by all? Know that I was, too. Do you imagine your sufferings will be less because you loved goodness? Truth. This Japanese soldier's line is really getting at the heart of this question, why do bad things happen to good people? Or to put it the opposite way of how it was asked, why do good things happen to bad people? Does us loving goodness and truth guard us against anything bad ever happening to us? Or if we hate God and only love ourselves, does that guarantee that we'll, we'll have a life full of suffering on this earth? I mean, if you take the movie's quote at face value, the answer is a resounding no. Um, there's some element of absurdity in it all. And that can be frustrating at times. And sometimes we just end up throwing our hands up in exasperation. You know, wishing there was more clarity. Give us something to hold on to. But I think the clarity we seek is actually easier to find than we expect. It's just hard. It's difficult. So we'll get into that. And the root of the question, I think, is this. Going back to what we said at the beginning. Are the consequences that we experience on this earth, you know, our, our conditions, our material conditions, you know, basically just what happens to you on a day-to-day -day basis, are those related to our moral identity? Or to put it another way, does being a Christian guarantee you good earthly results? Does being a Christian mean you're going to be rich? Or does, you know, only selfishly pursuing yourself mean that you're going to be, you know, poor and suffering? Deep down, we, we kind of already know the answer to this question. Of course, of course not. We know Christians who are poor, who are Christians who are um, rich and we would consider very wealthy and comfortable. And we also know, you know, people who are very outspoken in their disdain for Christianity who are wealthy and live lives of quote-unquote comfort. But the big question is why? Why is there that disparity? Um, why does being a Christian not guarantee you a happy life? There's something about Christianity that obviously gives some sense of fulfillment. That's why it's attractive to so many people. I think if we take a step and look at the Christian martyrs, I think they help us understand this why question. Men and women for thousands of years, ever since you know Christianity was founded, from you know the year it was founded, we had martyrs. We had people who were willing to die for their faith. And these martyrs have received the ultimate rejection of worldly comforts. They have been denied any, any comfort, any good thing happening to them. Their earthly life ends with suffering at the hands of evil people with power. So what do the martyrs tell us about this life? How were they able to see past this earthly suffering? 
recognizing the glory and love of God shining through all things, even through the suffering that harmed their earthly bodies. How were they able to stand there, give their life up for Christianity, for Jesus, for the church? What do they see past that earthly suffering? What do they see that makes it worth putting their life on the line? They recognize something about this earthly life that we, I think, fail to recognize a lot, and I'm at the top of that list. Oftentimes, our eyes are straight down low, just right in front of us. You know, we don't look up around us. We fail to see anything besides what is right in front of our faces. We do not see the glory of God all around us. We don't recognize His love, reminding us that there is more to life than this earthly existence. And for Christians, this life is not all that there is. We're called to glorify God in all that we do on this earthly life, yes, but we know that death is not the end. And if there's one thing, you know, Christians for the past 2,000 years have recognized, it's that this earthly life is not the end of the story. There is something after it. This is not the final fulfillment of all happiness. This earthly life is not an indicator of our spiritual worth. And the martyrs are a prime example of this. The people who we elevate as spiritually worthy, um, you know, we elevate them alongside the saints. I mean, they are as good as it gets, and their life was suffering. Um, the reason we even remember them is because of the suffering that they endured at the end of their life. And in fact, if you want to look at the Bible, a pleasant, comfortable life is usually a sign of, you know, spiritual unworthiness. Um, in 2 Timothy 3.12, the saint says that all who want to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. There's this element of Christianity that understands material suffering or earthly persecution is going to be a part of your life. And that doesn't mean that you're not doing the right thing, that you're not pursuing the right things. In fact, sometimes it's an indicator that you are on the right path. But why? So why does this earthly life not coincide with our spiritual life? I think one benefit that emerges out of this is that when we recognize that disparity, it's a constant reminder that earth is not where our fulfillment is found. As Christians, you know, you hear all the time, we're called to be aliens on this earth. You know, you hear people say, we are sojourners. We're reminded that we are called to be like Jesus, who is the perfect example of, of humanity. He was perfect in every way, but endured great suffering to the point of death. So when we see, you know, good things happening to, to bad people, um, there's two things I kind of want to close out on. One, we should remind ourselves that this world is not where we find our fulfillment. The good things that we see happening to people who we may consider bad remind us that the rewards of this earth are not our ultimate hope. You know, your, your ultimate hope is not to be rich. That's not why you become a Christian. Our ultimate hope is found in Jesus. And so this disparity, these reminders, can be an encouragement. To, to train ourselves to recognize these slights that we might experience as opportunities to remember our true identity. 
When we see those who we consider bad receiving good things, we have a chance to let it mold us into more faithful Christians by responding in humility. And then second, um, I think it's also a great opportunity to remind ourselves that you know, humility is a big part of Christianity. We are not called to be the judge of people. That lies with Christ and Christ alone. We don't get to judge who's good and bad. Um, in our, you know, in our EYC discussion on the four last things of Advent, when we talked about death, judgment, heaven, and hell, that was a theme that kept coming up over and over again. That we don't sit here and decide who who is in heaven, or who is you know in hell or experiencing separation from God. That's not what we're called to do. You're called to be faithful in what you have been given to Christ. So this second point that. Yes, this is a great opportunity or an encouragement to, you know, train ourselves to recognize that material rewards do not equal spiritual worth, but also we may be wrong in our judgments. Um, it's not our call to judge whether someone is good or bad. It's our call. We've been called to love them. And this jealousy that sometimes emerges when we see bad people getting good things is a sin that ends up pushing out love in our hearts. Where love was, jealousy takes root. In 1 Corinthians 3, St. Paul warns us. He says, jealousy is of the flesh. For as long as there's jealousy and quarreling among you, he tells the Corinthians, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? The greatest challenge for us is to go beyond these human inclinations, these gut reactions of jealousy. To respond with humility and love, not jealousy, when those people we consider bad are filled with joy. And maybe to consider that we're still called to love them, regardless of whether we think they're bad or good. The Catechism at the back of the Book of Common Prayer ends after you know its list of questions and answers. This is the final one. The question is, what then is our assurance as Christians? And this is the answer. Our assurance as Christians is that nothing, not even death, shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our challenge is to look beyond the rewards of this earth, to look beyond that which is right in front of our faces. Don't spend your time analyzing the people around you and grow jealous of their earthly possessions. Our attention is to be called is called to be focused elsewhere. We're reminded that Jesus suffered too. And so we, we, we have to be on guard against letting the outcomes of this world influence our spiritual life. Good things might happen to bad people. And when they do, it's an opportunity for us to reground ourselves in the truth of Christianity because we know that the good things that happen on this earth are not where our ultimate fulfillment is found. They ultimately don't matter. What matters is our ability to see the grace of God shining through all things. To recognize, you know, like the Japanese soldier said, that our sufferings might not be less because we loved goodness and truth. That our confidence lies not in our own ability to be nice, but our confidence lies elsewhere in the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is what enables us to move beyond these human inclinations. 
to move beyond the jealousy that we experience and to continue to grow as Christians, to continue to love faithfully, love others and to love God. So I think that is some you know, response to this question of why do good things happen to bad people. I think that gives us some to think about. So thank you for whoever submitted this question. Um, we've got several more kind of in the queue. So um, we, we have several more for the next few weeks. But again, another reminder, if you've got a question, if you've got a question from last episode or this episode that comes up, um, go and submit it. We will eventually get to every single question. So until next week, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Stay faithful and keep submitting those questions. Bye.